courtesy of Bow Sports.com, Stitcher.com, iTunes. You subscribe to this lovely, sexy, wonderful podcast for free. Tune in media for your mobile devices, Google Play Podcasts, and we are also on Spotify. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to the show that we so lovingly call Bow on Bulls. The show totally, foreverly, and alwaysly dedicated to the Chicago Bulls and NBA talk. <laughs> I am Big Dave. I see the up. Yeah, I flipped that on. I flipped that a little bit, though. I flipped, it. <laughs> <laughs> I flipped a little bit, but it's cool, man. But yeah, man, we got a um, we got a very special guest with us today. We've had quite a few. You know, luckily, what I do allows me to have you know awesome people on this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have quite a few players, you know, guys, you know, in the uh, actual broadcast industry. But we've got a guy that you know was successful in both. You know what I mean? And basically, a legend right now here in Chicago uh, for the things he did on the court to the Detroit Pistons and the things he did off the court. You know what I'm saying on this microphone, man. Three-time NBA champion. Uh, I love him from when he was an Oklahoma Sooner, and he's one of my favorite players. Uh, but you all probably love him from what he does in the broadcast booth, ladies and gentlemen. The one, the only, the legendary Mr. Stacy King. What up, Stace? Hey, what's going on, boys? Thanks for having me on the show. Man, so thanks for having me, man. Thanks for being here, man. Um, actually, I wanted to start by just asking you about your career, man, because I'm I'm very curious as to how you even decided that basketball was your path. Like a lot of people tell me basketball kind of chose them. Some tell me, you know, they chose basketball. How, how did it go for you? When did you know that this was the path for you? Uh, probably my uh, junior year in high school. Basketball was like my third, third or fourth sport. Um, I grew up in Oklahoma where football is king. So I grew up, you know, loving football. Uh, it was my first and foremost love. And that's what I really focused on. So it was football, it was baseball, it was track, and then probably basketball. I was more of a street ball guy. I played for money, you know, growing up. You know, to, to, yeah, when I was a little kid, because I was taller than, than most kids and I was more athletic. So I used to, to get money, me and my boys, you know, we'd be broke as a joke. So mm-hmm. we'd be playing, you know, five versus two, five versus three, give, you know, spot them seven points, go to 11 mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, make it, take it. You know, we, you know, we give them the ball first too. So we was some hustlers, man. We was hustling dudes <laughs> for money. We knew we wasn't going to lose and uh, we never lost. We never lost. Sometimes I would play, you know, two against one, three against one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd be winning money, man, you know, buy some bubble gum. You know, bubblelicious, bubble bubble, <laughs> you know, little 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 hostess snack cake, you know, honey yes, buns, sodas, you know, the knee yes, high peach back in the day. Yes, yeah, that's what we was doing. <laughs> yes, sir. That's what's up. Man. Did did you have one of those kind of growth spurts, those famous growth spurts people talk about in high school? Or were you just always that that tall big kid? No, no. You know, my freshman year in high school, uh, it's a crazy story. Uh, you know, I started all the way up to my freshman year in high school. And then my coach, uh, my coach, uh, the basketball coach uh, was, was an assistant coach in the basketball team. And, you know, there was a popularity contest with one of the guys who was about five foot two and I was mm-hmm. six two and they started him at center and they had me coming off the bench. And I was just like, you gotta be, you gotta, you can't be serious about this. My whole, my whole, you know, youth league, I started, I was a stud coming up and that almost made me quit basketball. You know, it almost mm-hmm. made me quit basketball. I, I, I said, you know, I'm gonna focus on football because the politics of basketball, when you start somebody five, two over six, two dude, I was dunking in, in ninth grade. So mm-hmm. I was just like, man, come on, bro. Really? You know, so that kind of soured me a little bit. And then my high school coach, my sophomore coach, 
came to me, you know, he came up to talk to the freshmen coming up because the way high school was in Oklahoma is a little bit different than it is in Illinois. You know, in Illinois, a freshman is in high school, basically. So you got 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th in high school. But in Oklahoma, junior high is 7th, 8th, and 9th. And that they're, they're in a building completely, a different school completely to themselves. We're nowhere around high school kids until we get to be sophomores. So the, the varsity coach came up to me and uh, watch one of our practice in our game. And he told me, I'm going to start for him as a sophomore. You're going to be the first sophomore to start for me in the history of our high school. When you come to high school, and I was like, yeah, right, man. I heard that before. You know, this dude, this dude starting somebody five, two. This is a jockey. This is one of the little, the little yard jockeys that's in the yard. He started him over me. So I was like, man, I don't know, coach. I think I'm going to stick with football because I, I, I feel like football is my, my calling. Uh, I was really good wide receiver and safety. And I was like, I was six foot two, so I was perfect size for it as a freshman. And then from that freshman year, when you talk about growth spurts, from that freshman year to the that summer going into my sophomore year, I went from six two to six six. Mm -hmm. So I grew four inches, and I didn't even know I was growing because you know during the summer all you do is wear shorts and you're swimming all the time, so you never really know that you're growing except that your body hurts, your knees hurt, all your joints hurt. So when my mom my mom took his school shopping, you know, for the upcoming, you know, school year, you know, it was kind of like, I was like Michael Jackson before Michael Jackson, when he used to wear the floods and you could see the socks. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I, yeah. So, so my mom was like, my mom couldn't believe how much I had grown. Like, wow. Like, I mean, the pants are coming past your, you know, down above your ankles, you know, like, wow, how, how tall have you grown? And then found out it was six foot six. And the crazy thing about that, after I grew that big spurt, you know, um, I went from, I stayed at six, six in my senior year in high school, I grew one more inch between my sophomore and senior year, one more inch. So I, I finished at six, seven. So when I was being recruited, I was being recruited wow. as a small forward. And so uh, I grew, when I signed with Oklahoma, I went to Oklahoma that summer between my senior year and my freshman year, going into my freshman year at University of Oklahoma, I grew three more inches from 6'7 to 6'10. So you can imagine my coaches thinking, oh, we got a small forward coming in at 6'7. Oh man, now we got a power forward center. You know, like, oh my goodness, we wasn't expecting this, you know, 6'10, you know, and so that surprised everybody. I grew three more inches and I topped out at 6'11 when I left University of Oklahoma to go to the pros. I got a question for you quick. I want to know. Like, how did growing three inches affect your basketball game from high school to college? Like, how does that affect your game? Well, I tell you what, because I had I had guard skills as a young kid because I was pretty normal size, you know. Um, so I always had the quickness and the agility to play out on the floor, uh, ball handle a little bit, you know, shoot it a little bit, and then once I got that height, I had they put me aside and I had to learn how to play with my back to the basket which I wasn't very comfortable with at first. Um, but all that really helped me out though. Cause I, you know, when you grow that fast as a kid, you become uncoordinated, you know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. you don't have the coordination that you had when you were six, two, now you're six, seven. So now you, you know, your body's growing totally different. It's new to you. You don't know how, you don't know what's going on. So my high school coach took very good interest in me from day one. I mean, he told me I was going to start as a sophomore, which I did first time in school history. Uh, second thing, you know, he'd always pick me up, you know, in the summer every day and take me to the gym every single day, like clockwork, bro. He'd pick me up. We'd go to the gym. It'd be eight o'clock in the morning. 
we do ball drills, we do, you know, footwork things, you know, he had me playing tennis, you know, hitting balls against the wall to work on my agility left and right. Um, I also played soccer growing up too. So I had some pretty good footwork, you know, that also helped, but my coach Bob Ware really took a lot of, you know, he took, he took me in and really, really helped harness some of my skills. I hated it every morning. I mean, it was clockwork, bro. I mean, like I'd be asleep and my mom would be like, Hey, get up. Coach gonna be here. Coach, are you buying into this too? Like, Hey, can I get some sleep? <laughs> it's the summertime. You know how it is. It's the summertime. You know, you want to chill because you in school all day during the year and there's more structure during the school year. But in the summertime, man, you just want to sleep. You know, because you already know you got to cut the grass. You got to do all the little, all the little nice. chores at the crib. So mm-hmm. let me sleep a little bit, man. So he picked me up at eight o'clock and we'd be in that gym from eight to like five. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would be doing basketball work, you know, running stairs, doing agility work. Uh, he'd take the basketball and he'd line me up against a wall. And you know how you have those jug machines, you know? Oh, yeah. And they oh, shoot yeah. the football at you it's from mm-hmm. close distance to get your hands right. Well, let me yep. just say this. We, we didn't have a jugs machine. We, we had a coach Bob Ware machine where he would take the take the ball and discus throw at me from about five feet away. And like, really, like he was a discus thrower and just hum the ball at me, dude. And uh-huh. it, it forced me to catch the ball or have plenty of bloody noses, which I did um, mm. early on. I used to have mm. I used to have like, you know, cut eyes. <laughs> it, was, it, it was borderline abuse, baby. Oh, Lord, it was borderline <laughs> abuse. Oh, but it taught me, it taught me, fellas, to catch that ball. I was going to get in the face every single time. Ooh, what what was, you see. I'm sorry, go ahead, Dave. No, what, what was that like, though? Like, coming home to your mom, like, you bloodied and you bruised and you beaten. Like, what was that like coming home to her? Like, Yeah, see, I grew, up, I grew up in a military household. So my right, dad was, right. a, was a drill sergeant. So we're military. So my dad is all about di- uh, discipline and structure. And, you know, very competitive household. So I had, you know, two older brothers and a younger brother. So you can imagine in my household, I mean, it was super competitive. You know, I, my two brothers were all state football, basketball players. So as you guys, you know, if you have older siblings, you know how that is following mm-hmm. behind them. There's so much pressure being the younger brother coming up to school. Everybody want to know you're going to be as good as your brother. You're going to do what your brother did. So that extra pressure is on you before you even step into whatever school you go to, whether it's middle school, you know, whether it's junior high, whether it's high school. So that pressure was always there. And my, as far as your question, Dave, my mom, my mom was, I'm a mama's boy, you know? So my mom was a little bit more concerned with it. Like, is this really necessary? And this, you know, is this, I mean, he's coming home every day, beat up His, his fingers is jammed up and, you know, my dad like just making a man out of him. You know, that's how my dad was. My dad is making him a man. It's, it's teaching him. It's teaching him how to to be tough and not, and 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 be able to work through adversity. See, my dad about six six two fifty. So there wasn't a lot of discussion. There wasn't a lot of discussion in our house, baby. It was it was a dictatorship. It wasn't a democracy in the king household. So it was whatever the big fella said that we had to do. Yes, sir. I heard that. <laughs> Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, I was, I was wondering, like, with your brother though, who played basketball, was there? Any, any competitive battles going on? Like, was there a story where you get to overcome and beat your brother finally to prove that you can play ball? Well, you know, my brothers were always older than me. My brother, mm-hmm. I have one brother that's 12 years older than me, so you can imagine the age gap there. And then I have my other brother, my second oldest brother is seven years older than me. So I used to tally when they used to go play as a little boy, I idolized my brothers. So I used to tag along and I was always too little to play. My role when my brothers was playing street ball was to go get the ball when it run off the court. So that was my role. And then I, and when I went to go run and get the ball, 
I could take one shot every time. So that was my reward for going to get the ball if it rolled out to the street, if it rolled off the park, I'd go get it. And then I would get one shot and then I had to go sit down and wait till the ball rolls over again. But I was always too little to play. But my brothers, my brothers always work with me though. They always work with me. And so that was really cool. But the, 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 you know, to your point, the person was my dad. My dad was the guy that I used to go to my dad. My, my dad used to work on post on the military post. He used to run a gym. So he was in charge of, you know, the gym opening and closing the gym. So I had access to a, to court time anytime I wanted it as long as I wanted to. So my dad, so my dad would, my dad would allow me to go on weekends, go to the gym. I'd be there from eight in the morning till like eight o'clock at night until he closed it. And so I would get to play with older people. I got to play with older soldiers, you know, guys who were 20, 21 years old when I was a teenager. And you can only imagine how much that makes you better. You 13, 14 years old playing against a, a kid from New York who was probably a really good basketball player, but had to go in the military for whatever reason, you know, um, you know, so I'm playing against some really, really good hoopers from all over the place, you know, New York, California, you know, Miami, it didn't matter. You know, we, we played against some of the best military guys that uh, the military had to offer. So I was playing with these kids, you know, these guys at 13, 14 years old. And then mm -hmm. I played my dad at nighttime. You know, my dad, my dad was a football player. He never played basketball before in his life. He used to think he was really good. He had big hands. That's one thing I wish I had my dad's hands. My dad got them incredible Hulk hands, man, where yeah. he, he could pick up a basketball and look like he grabbing a softball. That's how yes, big sir. his hands yeah. are. I used yeah. to laugh at his fingers because they'd be like sausages. They'd be like huge <laughs> sausage fingers. You know, I, I got I got pretty big hands, but they ain't like my pop's hands. So we would right. play pickup games, you know, before we close the gym. My dad said, come on, boy, let me teach you a lesson. Come on, let's go. Let's go. I'm, I'm going to work you over. So we'd be playing. He'd be fouling the crap out of me, just beating me up, hacking me. He, I mean, he hit me with one of them hands, man. I swear to God. It was like, you ever seen the Fantastic Four, the dude, the brick dude, uh, Ben oh, yeah, Grimm? The yeah, the thing. Ben Grimm. That's what I, that was his nickname when I was growing up. I called him the thing because he hit me with them hands and they feel like bricks. So uh, he would foul me hard. I'd be crying. I'd be like, stop fouling so much. He'd be like, stop crying. You know, stop crying. You know, suck it up. You're gonna you're gonna yeah. have to play against these people. And I never beat him. Mm -hmm. Never beat him, dude. He'd always beat me, just back me down, just like Shaq, go over the top of me, you know. <laughs> and then he talked trash. And then we go in the car, you know, and he'd be in the car giving it to me, like, yeah, boy, you ain't gonna never beat your daddy, boy. You better get tougher. You ain't gonna never beat me. So the one time I finally beat him, it was when I was, it was like when I was going in my junior year, I finally beat him. I was six foot six. I was, I was, I was in my superpowers at that time. You know, mm -hmm. I got the coordination. I averaged about 18 points a game my junior year in high school, like 10 boys, like six blocks. So I was like, I was starting to reach my prime in high school. And so we, he, you know, he's like, let's play. I'm like, yeah, I've been waiting for this. I'm finna get in your ass. Let's go. <laughs> so, so we start playing and he knew right from the start, it was, it was going to be a long night for him because I was blowing by him. I was, I was dunking the ball on him. See, before I couldn't dunk. Now I'm dunking the ball on him, boom, boom, boom. Because every time I used to try to dunk on him when I was younger, he fouled me. He pushed me in the legs and, and say it was travel, you know, and then he'd be, mm. and then he'd get the ball. You know, he pulled a daddy move on you. Well, you know, I, it's a dictatorship. I call the call, you travel, blah, blah. So I'm, I'm now, I'm stronger now. Now I've been in the weight room. I'm stronger. I'm flying to the basket. I'm, I'm, I'm highly recruited now. And so game point, game point, it was a tough physical game. It was tough physical game, I ain't gonna lie. It's tough. So, so, so it's game point. I got the ball and I said, I said, you, you ready for this old man? You ready for this? I said, game, this is game time now. I said, 
the day you beat me is over. It stops tonight. Mm. <laughs> and so, so, so he was like, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. So I, I, I go between the legs. I go, I cross him over from right to left. And he, yeah, he, I'm his son. He forgot I was left-handed. So right to left, <laughs> I came out. I'm gone. Boom. I knew he bit for it too. He went to reach. I blew right by him. And he tried to run. He tried to come over and catch up. I waited for him. I waited for him. I didn't even try to go dunk the ball. <laughs> I, I waited because I wanted to dunk on his ass. So as he came over there to get me, I jumped up with two hands and he ran into my body. He tried to foul me hard too. And I dunked it with two hands and I swung on the basket and I kind of wrapped my legs around him. And he tried to, you know, he's over there hitting me. Get off me, get off me. Game point. Game over, sucker. It's time to go home. Run it back. Run it back. I'm like, no, nah, you ain't bullying me. You ain't bullying me into running it back. Game over. That's the first time I beat you in five years. It's over. We're going home. No, no, we playing. We playing. And he did what I do. When I when I would lose, I would be so mad. I'd be running back, running back. He would never right. run it back. So right. now the role is return. It's turn. Now I got. The, I'm in control. So we ain't running nothing back. We going home. I'm telling mama we get home. We going to dinner. I'm telling mama. So so we get him. This is this is how I knew. This is how I knew. I heard his feelings. I heard his heart. So we in the car, and I'm over there giving it to him like he gave it to me all the time. I'm like, yeah, man. Hey, hey, dad, don't worry about it, man. Father time catch up with everybody. It's all right. You're old. I'm young. I'm the, the I'm the new line. The young line is taking over the old line. You don't got the teeth anymore. You don't got the brow. And he wouldn't say nothing, but I knew he was hot. So then in my mind, I said, I better shut up for you. Slap me or something with them. Because <laughs> <laughs> he, he still I can tell. Right. Yeah, yeah. I can still. Hey, hey, Dave, Chris, I can see it. I can see that he was hot. So I was like, okay, I better stop. So then I knew if I got in the house and I'd be safe because my mama wouldn't let nothing happen to me. So Word. I got in the house, we had the dinner table. And so I'm like, so mom said, well, who won tonight? Cause she always knew we always had these games. She's like, who won tonight? I said, mom, bust his ass, I won. <laughs> she said, baby, you won, you won, how'd you win? I said, I dunked on him at the game point and I threw the ball at him and, and now he's mad at me. He ain't talked to me the whole time. She goes, she goes, James Edward. That was his name, James Edward. She said, James Edward. Are you mad, honey? Are you mad? He's supposed to beat you. He's a basketball player. And he's like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't talk about it. So I said, we're talking about it. We're talking about it. And so and, and so I'm, I'm ribbing it up. I'm ribbing it up, ribbing it up. And so finally, my dad looked up at me, man. He said, boy, you better stop. You, you're going too far. And I'm like, yeah, let me go ahead and stop right now because I, <laughs> I, I, I don't want to tangle with the big fella. The big fella way. No, nah, you don't want that. You don't want to mess with because you know you got that old man strength. Old man strength, yes sir. No, nah, bro, no, nah, I ain't messing with that. All right, Dad, I ain't yeah. saying nothing else. And you know what? He didn't talk to me for a whole week, bro. Wow. Uh, he was that salty. That's how competitive it is in my household. Mm. He didn't talk to me for a whole week. That really bothered me because mm. I'm like, man, like when I beat, when you beat me. I'm mad, but I talk to you. Like, you right. know, you know, you always tell me be a good sport. He always used to tell me it's okay to lose, but you ain't gotta like it. That was our motto in our household. Right. You know, so you play hard, you give everything you got, don't let nobody come and take nothing from you. And you know what? You can lose, be a man, shake hands, but that don't mean you gotta like it. So mm -hmm. when he when I when I started hearing that saying in my head, I'm like, okay, this is what he was trying to teach me. He don't, he don't like losing. He don't mind losing, but he don't like losing. So that was right. a life lesson that I learned there. That's amazing, man. Um, I want you to expound a little bit though on what what kind of kept you going because you you listed like three things like a lot of people would probably quit 
on those things. Like you talked about the coach who would throw the ball at you all the time and make come home bloody and bruisey. A lot of people would just stop doing it. And then you talked about the coach, you know, who's starting, you know, a smaller guy over you. I know somebody who quit basketball team yeah. specifically because of that. And then your father, you know, constantly giving you that, you know, beat down that game like that. Like a lot of people just throw that ball up and go home and say, I quit. I'm not doing this no more. What kept you going saying, no, I'm coming back and I'm going to continue to do this. Cause I got dog in me, you know, yeah, that's, yeah. that's something, that's something you're born with, you know, because it's easy to quit when things don't go your way. You know, when you grow up in a household, like I did, a lot of that is culture. A lot of that's how you, how you're born and, and, you know, the environment that you're in, you know, if you around people that, that push you to be better, that push you not to quit, not give up, it becomes ingrained in you, you know, especially with what you already have as an individual, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Because like, I always use the analogy, if you put like three babies that are all very close to walking, you know, they're toddlers, they're close to being, you got one baby who won't even try because he's afraid to, so he's going to cry and ask for his mama to pick him up. You got that second baby who will give you an effort, maybe one or two and be like, yo, this is too hard. I'm sitting on my butt and have my mama pick me up. And then that third baby, he knows like he's trying to get up. He's like, all right, I'm, I'm moving. I, I failed 10 times, but I'm going to get up 11. And before you know it, he's running around the room. He's climbing up on furniture because his will to not quit, you know, his will to, 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 to get to where he wants to go is greater than sitting on that floor and not being able to do what he wants to do. And that's, that's kind of, it's ingrained in you. And then you have to have people around you guys that cultivate that, cultivate that attitude. You know what I'm saying? And that's where your parents come in. And that's the foundation of the things that you're going to experience the rest of your life. Your parents give you the foundation of teaching you, you know, to be, you know, dependable, accountable, be where you're supposed to be, be a man of your word. Uh, if you sign up to something, uh, finish it. You, you might not like what's going on. If you want to quit at the end of the year, you can quit at the end of the year, but you signed up for it. So you're going to stay with it. And uh, that stayed with me my whole entire life, man. I mean, I've had a whole bunch of life stories where I easily could have went one way or the other. And, you know, if it wasn't for my parents, you know, um, I probably would have, I probably, some things I probably would have quit. Like my freshman year at the University of Oklahoma, you know, I'm, I'm the sixth man on the Oklahoma, uh, on the Oklahoma team that went to the Sweet 16, you know? And then, you know, I got the, you know, I got in trouble my first year. I, I stopped going to class. I started partying too much. The structure of having your parents around wasn't there for me. And I got caught up in the party life and I almost, I almost flunked out my, my second semester. I barely held on. A couple other freshmen felt, uh, flunked out, but I, I held on. And, um, you know, my dad, I remember my dad coming up to school and uh, he brought an old suitcase, one of them old 1960s civil rights suitcases it's like it's like the brown ones you know like the brown ones with the buckles on it you know the old oh, i know what you're talking about yeah i know what you're talking about yeah. that hard so the hard yeah yeah so he brought you know he brought one of the civil rights uh suitcases up to the to uh to my apartment and he told me he said uh he said hey pack your stuff or he threw it on the bed you know how it sounded when he hit the bed quack you know so then he was like He's like, yo, uh, get your get your clothes, put your clothes in, let's go. We're going back to, you know, going back to our hometown. He said, because you're not up here to go to school. You're up here to act a fool and party and all this stuff. And you know what? You're wasting your time. You're wasting the family time. So pack up your stuff and let's go. And I said, well, I'm, I'm not going nowhere because I'm not, mm. you know, I'm still here. I'm still in school. I'm going to class. He said, nah, you nah, you ain't up here to you ain't up here to go to school. You're up here to party and have a good time. You can do that at home. But you know, you got to come back home and get a job now. You got to get nine to five. 
And so here's your options. And this is what he told me. And school wasn't one of them. So he already, he already had his mind. I was leaving. So it was either going to the military, uh, work at the uh, Goodyear tire plant um, that uh, everybody seems to work at, or <laughs> get a nine to five work doing construction. And none of those three things he brought up to me was appealing to me. Because I was like, well, nah, no, and no, and no. <laughs> I'm staying here. And he was, he was, he was adamant about me going home because he said, you ain't up here to go to school. And since you ain't up here to go to school, you're not going to embarrass the family. You know, you got an opportunity to make something out of yourself. You got an opportunity to get education and you throwing it away uh, because you want to party and you don't want to go to class. So just pack, you know, pack up your stuff and let's go. So I told him, I said, I ain't going nowhere. I'm not ineligible. I was just ineligible uh, to play basketball. I wasn't eligible for school. So I didn't flunk out of school. I still had the grade point average to stay in school. Um, but, um, I, I refused to go. And I think that was a psychological, my dad was a psychology major. So he used a lot of psychology on us when we were growing up. So, um, I, that, I think that that particular point, he was, he was trying to get the message to me, like, Hey, you know, if you ain't up here to do business, you need to come home and get a job. You know, you need to, you need to get a career and start doing something. So it was military work at the Goodyear tire plant where most people go to work at in my hometown. Or it was to, you know, do construction or do some hard labor, which I wasn't down to do. You know what I'm saying? Once you're in college, you know, you get spoiled up there. You, you ain't yes, doing sir. all that stuff. So mm -hmm. that was that was a that was a make makeshift moment there. And then also um, since during that same time when I did come back and I was eligible the next year, I was hooping. And then my college coach, I thought, you know, was still mad at me for for not being in the tournament the year before. And I thought he held that against me and he didn't start me. He started me some games and then he was playing with my minutes all year long, very, very fluctuated minutes. And um, so we were playing in the NCAA tournament and a couple of our guys missed curfew. So they, they had to, they had to be punished. So the coach came up to me and we're playing Pittsburgh with Charles Smith and Jerome Lane and Rod Brookins. You know, they were the mm. number, they were the number five team in the country. We were like number 15 and so he came to me and said, hey, we're going to start you uh, because so-and-so missed, you know, missed uh, curfew, yada, yada. Just go out there and do what you do. You know, so I'm like, man, you you unleashed a wild animal now. You saw you had to tell me. You had to tell me twice. So we ended up upsetting Pittsburgh. I killed Charles Smith. I had like 19 points, 15 boards, like, you know, mm -hmm. five or six blocks. And then we advanced to the Sweet 16 from that game. That was a huge upset. And that was a year, that was a year I think Jerome Lane broke the backboard. Remember that on the ESPN? Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah, so they had a really good team. And uh, so, you know, we upset them, moved on to the West Regional Final uh, in Seattle. And then we play Iowa, which is B.J. Armstrong's team. Mm -hmm. So we're going to play BJ's, BJ's team in the, in the Sweet 16. And that was the year that uh, UNLV ended up going to the Final Four. I think it was uh, uh, UNLV. It was uh, Duke, Duke yeah. uh, Syracuse. I think Syracuse won it that year. With Derek um, Coleman, uh, yeah, with Derek Coleman. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we play BJ and them and my coach tells me, yeah, now he's going back to the regular rotation. So he said, all right, Stacey, you're going to come off the bench, but we're be ready to play. I'm going to play you a lot. So I'm like, all right, cool. You know, this is my, this is my sophomore year. So I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. I'm going to get back out there. I'm going to do what I do. Yeah. Well, the dude only played me five minutes, five yeah. minutes. In, in five minutes, I had like six points and like three rebounds and three blocks. And then wow. he took me out the game. He took me out the game and he played the seniors and ahead of me. And I, I was upset, dude. I was so mad, dude. And we ended up losing by like three points, I think, to BJ and them. 
and then BJ and them ended up losing the um, UNLV in the finals to go to Final Four. So I'm on the plane and I'm mad. I'm I'm heated. I'm transferring now. This I'm transferring. I can't take this anymore. You know, because in the games that he started, I started probably 12, 13 games that year. You know, off and on. And in the games I started, I averaged 18 points, like 10 boards. You know, and three or four blocks. So I was hooping when I got the minutes. And then when he put me back in my regular role coming off the bench, you know, my numbers dip because I'm not getting the same minutes. I'm not getting the same shots. So, you know, you go from averaging 18 as a starter to like eight or nine coming off the bench. In some games, I got DNPCDs, which really made me mad. So I was tired of it. We flying back, going back to Oklahoma. I'm on the plane. I'm, um, I reached out to my academic counselor who's on the plane. Is you know, it's just, you know, Sooner alumni. You know, it's not a, a you know, it's, it's just an Oklahoma plane. So we're coming back from the tournament. And so I tell my counselor, I said, his name is Rick Pryor. I said, Rick, I said, I'm coming by your office on Monday, get my paperwork done. I said, I'm transferring. He, he's like, what, 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 what? I, I'm, I'm out of here, man. I'm done. I said, I can't, I can't stay here, man. He said, stay away. You got to wait, talk to coach. You know, you know how adults try to tell kids who's like 18, mm-hmm. 19 years old. And I'm like, nah, man, I'm out of here. I got, I already got my transfer. I already know where I'm going. It's a done deal. It's a wrap. Boom, boom, boom. And so he was like, well, you just you need to go home, talk to your parents for the weekend, you know, and just calm down. You're upset. I'm not, you know, and you don't want to make any rash decisions, you know, irrational decisions when you're upset. So then I said, all right, Rick, whatever, man, but I'm, I'm out. I'll be by Monday to get my stuff. So then he got up. He, he got up out of the plane and he walked all the way to the back of the plane to go get Coach Tubbs. Now, you got to understand that we losing three almost yeah, three starters off our off our roster for the next year, which would have been my junior year. Mm-hmm. And so, he, you know, so now they definitely got to count on me next year coming up. So, right. but I'm not seeing that, though. I'm not yeah. seeing that. Right. I'm just seeing what I've already done, and you ain't playing me. So what makes me think you're going to play me next year? Mm-hmm. You know, who knows? If we would have had the portal back then, I might have jumped in that mug. <laughs> right. Seriously. Right. Right. I mean, seriously. I mean, that's how, that's how mad I was. So I felt like I was lied to. I felt like I did everything you asked me to do. I'm, I'm on the Dean's honor roll. We got no more academic problems. I'm busting people's butt in practice, you know? So I thought I deserved to play and I was angry about it. So he, the coach came back and that was back in the day. It's funny how things come back, you know, like clothes come back, styles come back. See, back in the day, we used to wear these big headphones back in the day. Yeah, you know, true. Yeah, we didn't have, we didn't have like little, then they invented little Walkman. You had the little <laughs> ones, but back in the day, we used to wear the big headset. So yeah. I'm sitting on the plane. I'm listening. I'm listening to Run DMC and uh, Public Enemy. And so he comes on the plane. I see him out the corner of my eye coming. So I act like I'm asleep. So, <laughs> so, so, so Coach Tubbs, Coach Tubbs taps me on the shoulder. He's like, "Hey, oh. wh- wh- what are you listening to?" And I and I'm like, "I can't, I can't hear you, man. I can't hear you." But I knew I could hear him. So he takes my headset and he, he does one of these mm. and then he does, and then he, he snaps it. Pow. It hits me in the ear. Mm. Okay. He was getting ready to get a two piece and I ain't talking about no chicken and soda. <laughs> right. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, man, I'm not in the mood to be playing. Don't be doing that. So I told him what I was listening to. And he said, Oh, that rap is terrible. You don't need to be listening. You need to listen to country music. I was like, oh, I'm just sitting there like, man, I'm not really interested in hearing all this. You know? So he said, do you mind if I sit down? So he sits next to me in an open seat and he starts talking to me. He says, hey, look, you know what? I know you're upset. I know you're mad. You have the right to be. I should have played you more. Boom, boom, boom. And I'm really not trying to hear it right now. Like, yeah, you're saying that now because you know I'm leaving. And he's mm-hmm. like, yeah, Rick, Rick, Rick Pryor told me that you're unhappy. You're thinking about transferring. He says, all I want you to do is go home and talk to your parents. 
just talk to your parents and, you know, before you make any decision and, you know, next year's your year, you know, next year's going to be a year. You're going to have a big year. You're going to start boom, boom, boom. And I'm like, yeah, man, I, I ain't got time to hear all that. Cause this is the same guy when he recruited me, he said, he's not going to recruit over me, you mm -hmm. know, but he told everybody that. So every time you come on campus, I'm seeing six, nine, six, 10 <laughs> dudes walking around. I'm like, who y'all playing with? Oh, we playing all you basketball. I'm like, who recruited you? Like, Coach Tuck. I'm like, Danny man lied to me. He lied to me, baby. He told me I was gonna be the only one, the only power forward. He's gonna recruit at that position. Man, it was like it was like going to it was like going to the San Diego Zoo with a bunch of giraffes walking around. It's like I'm seeing all these tall people. I'm like, man, this dude recruiting over me. And so so I, I already had that in my mind that he was a liar. Right. So so, so, you know, so as he gets up out the seat, he's getting ready to leave. He says, Stace, let me tell you something. He said, you're a hell of a player. He said, your future is bright. He said, uh, he said, your future is bright. This is what he said. I swear to God, he said this. He said, your future is bright, Stacey King. Just make sure you're wearing your sunglasses. And then he got up and he bumped out. Boop, beep, beep, gone. And so I, I took what he said as being, you know, being sarcastic. You know, like you're going you're gonna to say something smart ass like that and then leave. You know what I'm saying? And I don't, I'm, I'm 19 years old, so I don't know the meaning of what he's saying. I'm just so angry that I took those words of what he said to heart and personal that you just, you know, you just rubbing salt in the wound. So now I go back home. This is, this is where the parents come in now. Right. And this is the kind of household I grew up in to, to you know, to you know, cut this story off. I go back home to my parents. My dad's sitting there. He got a little white beater on. He got his fatigues on, you know. He's sitting there, you know, he got the Kimbo sliced beard eating chicken. <laughs> you know, you know pops, pops, pops eating chicken two-handed, you know, two-fisted Yo, oh, chicken. That's a man know? right there. That's exactly. So he got, he got, he got a little white beard on and little army fatigues and little army boots on, you know, he a big dude now. Yeah. So I'm sitting on the other end of the table. My mom's in the kitchen bringing food, whatever. And so I said, hey, dad, you know, um, yeah, I think I'm going to transfer, you know, uh, I'm leaving Oklahoma. I'm going to I'm going to Kansas. And so he's like, oh, no, you ain't. <laughs> and, and at that point, they had to sign to release you. Your parents had to sign the, uh, the release papers because you're not right. old enough to make that decision. Right. So I don't know how it is now. I think you don't need your parents to do it. Uh, but my parents had to sign the uh, the waiver to allow me to transfer. And my dad said, I ain't signed it. I ain't signed this shit. You might as well you might as well get just get ready to go back to school because this is the school you pick. This is where you wanted to go. So you're not gonna bail on your commitment to the school. He said, I don't care if you play another minute. You're gonna get an education, you're gonna graduate, and I don't care if you play another minute at the University of Oklahoma, you're going there for an education. So that that nicks the idea of me transferring. So now I had a decision to make. Now do I go all in? And, and, and prove everybody wrong, like that I'm the man, that I, I you know, I'm going to come back next year and dominate. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and this was another telling point. So at the end of, at the end of the summer, you know, you have summer jobs, they, they delegate summer jobs to you, right? Mm -hmm. So if you stay on campus, you go to school, whatever, yada, yada, they give you summer jobs. So based on how you are standing in the, in the, you know, on the team depends on what kind of job you get. Mm -hmm. So if you, if you a top player, you getting a job with air conditioning. 
Okay. You don't know nothing. If you don't know, you don't know nothing about Oklahoma heat. You know, people in Chicago think it's hot when it's 85 and it's humid. You don't know nothing about that Oklahoma heat. That South heat is woo, man. I mean, you be seeing you you be seeing mirages coming through there, right? So 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 my 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 assistant coach, my assistant coach, I brought my I brought my wife, my girlfriend who ended up being my wife with me to go up there to get a get a job. And so his name was Coach Mike Mims. So I said, Coach Mims, I said, um, I need to get a job inside this year, man. I can't be working outside, man. It was too hot out there. I don't want to do construction, yada, yada, yada. So he tell me, he said, let me tell you something, little daddy. He said, uh, he said, he said <laughs> I swear to God, boy, I swear to God, I can write a book about this stuff. So he tells me, he says, he said, little daddy, he said, uh, you all American? I said, no, I ain't no all American. He said, you all conference? I said, no. He said, you on Olympic team? I said, no. He said, well, uh, you work in construction. And I was like, <laughs> so I said, so I got to be all that to get a job inside? And he said, yeah, yeah, little daddy. That means you got to put the work in. You got to work. You got to work. Come on, let's go. Let's work. You want that inside job? You got to work. And so, yeah, so you know, when you know when you got your girl with you and she hearing all this, and I already mm. told her coming up there, I'm already, yeah, Coach Men going to take care of me. He's he going he gonna to give me inside job. Yeah, they don't want to leave me. They don't want to lose me. They don't give me whatever right. I want. So I'm talking trash. So she up there with me. And so I feel like two inches tall, Stuart Little size, bro. And mm. so when he told me all that, so that put me on, that put me on the Rocky Balboa workout after that. Mm. He, he turned me into a, he turned me into a demon, bro. Cause mm. I had to work outside in that 105 degree temperature every day. And that was my motivation when I was digging ditches. I was like, man, I, no, I got to do something better than this. This is not the kind of job I want to be doing, you know, when I, when I grow up, you know, I want to, I, I want to be making some money. I want to make some serious money and hoop is the only way for me right now. That's, that's, that's all I see right now. If I want to get to where I want to be, basketball is going to open as many doors as it's allowed to, you know what I'm saying? So yes, easy, this easy decision for me. I come back. When I come back, I'm still that I got that mentality. I come back, I make all American, first team all conference. Uh, mm. I was, I was like, I was like every everything that he told me I needed to be, mm. I was there. I got invited to the Olympic trials. So then, so when the last game was over, because we went to the uh, we went to the national championship game that year, we were 36 and four that mm. next year with me starting. And um, and so, uh, so after, you know, we, we had our last uh, game, we had a parade or whatever. We finished second to Kansas. We lost to Kansas. I don't know how the hell we right. lost to Kansas. I'm still mad about that. I'm still mad about that. Uh, no you know, clue, that, that, that's, that's why the, bas the basketball guys felt sorry for me because they know we shouldn't have lost either. That's why they gave me three with the Bulls. I so, heard that. Yeah, yeah. So, so the basketball guys worked it out for me. But so at the end, you know, at the end, the summer come up, it's time for jobs, right? So Coach Men's like, oh, little daddy, little daddy, you, you, you got that inside job this year, little daddy. You got all American. We got, we got the perfect job for you. So I, you know what I told him? I said, hey, Coach, you know, listen, man, I've been thinking. I said, uh, I want that Wayman Tisdale plan. And Wayman never worked. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. Wayman, 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 Wayman never worked. So y'all can take that for whatever y'all want to get that information wow. in. Wayman never worked. Wayman, Wayman was big time, bro. When I say big yeah, time, we big was, time. Man. He was the yeah. biggest. He was the biggest, like superstar college player I'd ever seen. I met Lynn mm. Bias. I saw Jordan. Mm. I, I saw Ralph Sampson. Wayman was the biggest college basketball star in the country. 
And he drove around in the El Dorado, dude. He had his own, he had his, he had, listen, I, back in my day, we used to turn the TV back in my house. So, you know, you lose the little knob to turn the TV, use the pliers. Mm-hmm. pliers. Okay? Yeah. yeah, you got the pliers, okay? And then the antenna used the coat hanger, okay? Yeah. In his crib, in his crib we stayed at, he had the first projection TV I'd ever seen in my life. The TV what was bigger projection? than me. He had a projection TV. Yo, I'd never seen them. I didn't even know what they were. You know, and I say it was the, it was like it was like the big box. Like I'm talking about eighty plus eighty oh, yeah. inches. You know what? And it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen in my life. And I was mm. just like, and he told me. I remember because he told me when he was leaving to go pro. Because he left, you know, they went they went to the Elite Eight when I was coming in as a freshman. If Wayman would have stayed, he would have been a senior when I was a freshman, and we might have won the whole thing. Mm-hmm. He left early, and he had told me, he told me before, you know, you know before any other person other than his family. Because I used to come up there and hang out with Wayman when I was in high school. He would always, you know, let me stay at his crib. And, I mean, I was, I was seeing what it was like being a yeah. college star as a high school kid. And so uh, he told me he was leaving. He said, man, he said, you come here. This, this could be you. And I was like, he said, but I'm going to tell you something. You got a ball. You, mm-hmm. you got a ball. If you want this, you got a hoop. And if you hoop, you hoop like this, they're going to love you. And you're going to get whatever you want. That's it. And he told me that. And he wasn't lying. Because I said, right. I tell people all the time, when I came to the league, I took a pay cut. Yeah. <laughs> hey. 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 Statue of limitations, baby. They can't hey, get bro. me now, baby. They got NIL. They got NIL now, baby. Boy, if I had NIL. Boy, if I had NIL, woo! Be a super millionaire walking the league. I hear you, hey, man. yo, I might not even want to play basketball. I might just want to stay on that NIL program. All four years. All four years. All four years, bro. <laughs> they can't yo, get me, baby. Statue of limitations. Statue of limitations. No, no, don't matter no more. Wow, that's amazing. I wanted yeah. to <laughs> let me ask you real quick before I get to before I get to your pro career. But what was that recruitment like though for you with Oklahoma? Like, why was that your choice? Like, what was the recruitment? To oh, oh man, <laughs> they weren't even they weren't even my top five school, bro. I was going to wow. University of Maryland. I was going to Maryland. Yep. Funny story. Uh, I wanted to go. There was two schools I absolutely loved growing up. It was DePaul and it was North Carolina. Those were my two Stop schools it. I absolutely loved, dude. Stop and it. No, stay, I, my, I, brother, yeah. my brother's a season ticket holder for DePaul. Dude, this dude. Right. You could have went to DePaul? Dude. Like, for real? You could have went to DePaul? I was so close to going to DePaul. I was wow. so close, bro. North Carolina wow. and DePaul were my two favorite teams. I used to see DePaul on WGN back at home all right, the time. Right. And what, what, what got me to DePaul was because their uniforms, when they used to have the, the little colors down yeah. the side, yeah. and, the, and the, jer- yeah. and the, and the jerseys right was there. out, yeah. and the yeah. jerseys was out. And I, I emulated them. Like, I took my jersey out. I just loved that look, man. It just, because wow. it, it to me, it was like they were the only school that was doing. I think Marquette ended up doing it too, where they had the jerseys they out did. with a little, yeah. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. but DePaul, I, I watched McGuire, you know, Terry Cummings. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I fell in love with them because I saw them a lot. You know, I yeah. saw them on TV a lot. So, and I like Coach Ray Meyer. Yeah. I thought yeah. I thought he was the, you know, as far as like if I was to send a kid to school, for a coach, it would be him mm. because the way he treated people. You know, just the way his presence was is really really down to earth and you just felt like he was telling you the truth you know what i'm saying a lot of these coaches lied to you oh we're gonna do this we're gonna do that da, 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 da. but he just came in tells you what you know he didn't downgrade anybody's school he didn't talk about his schools better 
He just said, this is what we can offer you, opportunity to play in a great city with a great fan base, uh, opportunity to try to win a championship and with other great players, you know, and that's, and, and I respected that. It wasn't about, you know, promising me things. You're going to start, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't anything like that. And uh, so I was, I was really appreciative of that. So, but what happened was North Carolina recruited me as well. And I wanted to go there because I liked their colors. That light blue was like, I love that look. And so, so, so I like that look. And I, and I used to watch them with James Ward. Gosh, I got these bad dogs. Excuse me. These are my killer dogs. Somebody ran Killer illus. Yes, yeah. Yeah. So, so I used to love their colors. And then I love the sky blue and I love the atmosphere in Carolina, you know, cause I had been, I spent some time in Carolina because my brother was in the military. So I used to spend some time down in Carolina. I just loved the, that, just that feel and how nice it was, you know? And so I fell in love with it. And um, so my junior year uh, in high school, uh, North Carolina recruited me and they wanted me to sign early. They wanted me to commit early. And as you know, uh, you know, you want to go on your five visits as a senior. You know, you can't go on, you can't go on no visits as a junior unless you go on, you know, you pay your money and go yourself, you know, and, and we would, we didn't have that kind of, we didn't have that kind of scratch at the King household, you know, so we, we had to wait for the free ride, the free trips. So I wanted to wait, I wanted to wait till my, my senior year. And so North Carolina said, well, we can't, can't promise you that we don't have a scholarship for you. And I, so I was really kind of perplexed a little bit because I said, well, I'm going to be much better my senior year than I am my junior year, you know? Mm-hmm. And they were like, yeah, that could be the case, but you know, we have a set amount of scholarships because they were like a machine at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, they offer one or two scholarships, and that's it. You know, they mm-hmm. they didn't they didn't over recruit. You know, they they just got if they only had one scholarship, that was the only one they got. So they ended up giving my scholarship to a guy named Steve Bucknell. He used to play mm-hmm. for them. He's uh, from England, and uh, they ended up giving it to him. And I was mad, and so so they didn't recruit me my senior year, and I had a better senior year, and so I was upset about that. And uh, so I was looking for whatever school in the ACC could play them. Mm-hmm. And uh, at that time, mm-hmm. at that time, you know, that's why I was set on going to the ACC because I wanted to bust Dean Smith's butt, you know, uh, every for four years and let him know, like, this is what you could have had if I would went there. Yeah. And so, um, so I was looking at uh, Maryland, which was good at the time. Wake Forest was good at the time. Virginia. Yeah. Virginia was on the downcline because they just lost Ralph Sampson, so they were right. kind of coming down. Mm-hmm. Duke wasn't Duke yet. Duke was no, getting no. there. Wow. You know, they 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 were building the program uh, with uh, Mark Allery, uh, Johnny Dawkins, Tommy Amaker, and uh, Jay Billis. So those guys, they were mm-hmm. becoming by that time they were going to be uh, seniors. Mm-hmm. You know, so they they went to the Final Four my freshman year. And they lost to Purvis Ellison, so that was the start of Mike Nervous, Mike, Mike, Mike uh, Coach K's Coach K's run. That was mm-hmm. the start of it right then and there. Um, so, uh, so I picked Maryland because I went on a visit, and the worst thing I did is bring my mom. I should never brought my mom. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I said no. I should never brought. I should never brought Lois King on a visit, man, because that was the first and only visit she went on. Okay, and uh, I had never been on a plane. I'd never been on a plane until I went on my college visit. And I remember my first my first visit, I went to LSU and um, I was scared as heck to get on a plane. I remember my high school girlfriend giving me a teddy bear. And trust me, I ain't too I ain't too manly to tell you. I was holding on that teddy bear the whole time, baby. <laughs> I was holding on to it with life. Oh, Lord, baby. But that plane went up in the air. Think about the first time you got on a plane, how you felt. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Especially, especially from a kid that's like from the inner city. Right. Like, you know, I've been on a Greyhound bus. 
That ain't right. nothing. You know what I'm saying? And I've been on van rides for AU trips or whatever, but I had never been on a plane. So that was that was new and no one was with me. I was by mm -hmm. myself. You know, so that was scary. But once I once I did that, I was starting to become a pro. I got used to it. And so um, I went to Maryland. My mom went with me and and Lefty Giselle was the coach. And he knew in order to get me, this would made him a great recruiter that and this is what any recruiter should be doing is get the mama. Yeah. You get the mama, you get the mama on your side. Most likely nine out of 10 times, you're going to get the kid to go to that school. if The mama loves you. And so they they come to my house, dude. They come to my house, you know, five, six times, uh, eat dinner with us and stay, eat my mom's uh, chitlins and hog balls and greens and black eyed peas and yams. You know, they eating all that. You know what I'm saying? So they got good old country southern cooking. And, they, and I'd be like, man, they spend a lot of time in my crib. Like, <laughs> like you know, they, 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 it, it got to the, it got to the point. They just walking in the house. Like right. they didn't even ring the doorbell. They're like, Hey mama King. I'm good. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Come on in coach D. Come on in. Sit down. What you want to drink? You want some lemonade? You want... I'm like, man, they just walking in the house. Like not even right. knocking no more. So, so I go, I go down to visit with my mom. And so she started hanging out with the family, the mothers of the players, you know, and uh, I'm hanging out with the players. And so when the mother, my mom's hanging out with the mothers, my mom's religious. Mm. So they was like, hey, we know cafeterias closed on Sundays, which is pretty much closed on every campus. I, I, I don't know, you know, at least for the athletes. I don't know about regular students, but I know like for the athletes, Sundays are closed. You know, your last meal is Saturday at one o'clock during a football game. Once that's over, you starving for the weekend unless you, unless you get some other means of uh, feeding yourself. Yes, you know, a lot of ramen noodles and hot dogs and hey. bologna sandwiches. <laughs> Why you think I'm I was working in the fast food restaurants? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, you know, they would tell my mom, they got to my mom, you know, they was like, yeah, we're going to make sure he goes to church on Sundays. He'd come here, eat every Sunday. So my mom liked that family atmosphere, you know, right. but I, I, you know, I, I was enamored with Lynn Bias, you know, like, oh my God, mm -hmm. Lynn Bias was the man back then. You know, he was yeah. at that time, he was bigger than Jordan, yeah. you know? Yeah. He was bigger than Jordan at the he college was. level, you know? True. And a lot of people don't remember that. And I mean, it was explosive. It was the, I'm telling you, was probably the most explosive player I've seen next to Jordan. Mm. And when I say, when I say explosive, when you, if you compare like Dominique Wilkins type power hops, dunks with the body control of Michael Jordan at six mm -hmm. foot eight and the, and the shooting, the shooting ability of say Kevin Durant, where mm. at six foot eight, he can raise up from anywhere and knock a three point shot down a mid range shot. He can get to his spots. He can jump over you, around you, through you. It didn't matter. Mm -hmm. And he was just a beast at the college level. And I, I just, I, it's so sad because yeah. um, I took a friendship with him. And, um, and you know, um, not to be able to fulfill his dream of being in the NBA, mm -hmm. you know, that was the saddest thing I'd ever seen or experienced, especially when you know a person. And I, yeah. I kept in contact with Lenny on the phone. Like we, we talked maybe two or three times a month when I was at Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. And when I was going through my ineligibility, he was one of the guys saying, keep your head up, you know, keep working, get them books. It happened to me too. Boom, boom, boom. So he was someone, a confidant I could talk to uh, along with Wayman. Wayman was there for me too. So I had these two big, bigger than life superstar players, you know, taking me under their wing. Mm -hmm. And I can remember what I was doing the day it happened. Uh, you know, the day he passed away. Mm -hmm. I'll never forget that, man. It's just like, 
you know, if you watch JFK get assassinated or Martin Luther yeah. King or, yeah. or the Challenger exploding, you remember there's certain things in history that you know exactly what you were doing that second when you got that news, you know, yeah. and I'll never forget that, man. That was, that was heartbreaking because he was such a good dude, man. He was a good teammate, a great person, uh, just made a bad mistake, you know, like we yeah. all do, you know, and um, wasn't able to come back from it. But uh, I just wish he would have had an opportunity to play, man, because uh, maybe Boston wins more championships. Mm -hmm. You know, if you think about if you think maybe Larry Bird's career is prolonged, you know, because yeah. now you've got someone there because you now you look what they had, you know, would have could have, you know, you had Lynn Bias then you had Reggie Lewis. You know, you had Reggie some Lewis. I mean, think Reggie Lewis is another mm -hmm. one. You know, yeah. so you had those two kids transitioning to the next, you know, the next level because you got Bird, McHale and Parrish those dudes are still they're it they're at the end of their prime now you got some young kids coming and they probably add some more now boston is probably reloaded every year mm -hmm. you know you look at it boston maybe the bulls don't win or detroit doesn't win those championships if lynn bias and and reggie lewis would have been able to play together and they would have been mm -hmm. able to transition with those guys so many things could have been different um but you know like we say you know that's would have could have you know should have what did you learn from from the, the lynn bias experience we in school what, what, what did that teach you well what it taught me is is uh to keep my circle tight you know to keep mm -hmm. people around me that you know like i always try to tell kids when i do motivational speaking and i even tell my kids this growing up you know you want positive people around you that bring positive energy you know you got positive people positive energy there's nothing left for you to do but be to feel that glow to feel that energy you know what I'm saying? Right. And it's just like negative energy. If you're around negative people with negative energy, if you're not strong enough to walk away from that and resist it, you're going to fall into, you're going to fall victim of that. And you're going to do what everybody else do. You can't be like, I always say to kids, like with me personally, you know, we all, we all have our own destiny. We all have the roads or cross paths, you know, crossroads that we come to, you know, some come more than others. So when I tell kids, uh, what I try to tell kids what they should keep in mind is, is that, you know, you want to be a leader, not a follower. You want to be the guy that's telling everybody where to go. Like, I, like if I put that, if I put that in an analogy, I'm the guy in the front of the line. I'm never going to be the guy in the back of the line. See, the guy in the front of the line can tell you we're going left, we're going right, we're going through this door, we're going through that door. The guy in the back of the line can't see, can't hear, don't know nothing. Where are we going? Huh? We just following that guy. All right, let's go. You know, mm -hmm. so you following that guy, and while you following that guy, that guy could be, you know, bringing you into negative energy. He could be bringing you into something negative. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But when you're out front, you know exactly where you're going. You're making those decisions based on what you want to do, not what the group wants to do. And that's one of the hardest things when you when you look at, you know, the youth of today. Uh, we had peer pressure growing up, but not like we do now because you got social media, you got all these different outlets. The bullying is just out of control. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we had bullies, we had bullies back in the day, but, you know, at, at some point, you know, the bully, you know, met a demise because yeah. sooner or later, yeah. you're going to get tired of getting bullied and you're going to have yeah. to let him know, like, then, you know what, we're going to have to fight every single day. You might win some, I might win some, but you're going to know you ain't going to be bullying me. Right. Nowadays, you got social media, the kids are, you know, the kids are ganging up on kids and putting so much pressure on kids. It's, it's demoralizing and you can understand why you know the suicide rate is up these kids are mm -hmm. falling into depression you can actually see why and and you know like i always like i always say you know like surround yourself with positive people you know you don't have to be around those people that bully get with people that you that you have something in common with 
You know what I'm saying? Like I, I always say with me, like I, if I'm sitting at this table, like I'm talking to you right now, I'm eating lunch, okay? And you pull up and say, hey man, can I sit next to you? What's your energy level? That's mm -hmm. how I'm looking at you. What's mm -hmm. your energy level like? If your energy level is positive, you got positive energy, shoot, yeah, you can sit at my table. Sit down, bro. Mm -hmm. But if you bring in negative energy, you bring in negative feelings to the table. Now, nah, there's a table over there. You got to go over there. I can't sit next to you because I don't want that around me. Mm -hmm. I want positive energy because positive energy and positive reinforcement from other people makes you want to do good. When you see someone, it's when you see someone instead of having being a hater per se, like mm -hmm. you mad at somebody because they being successful and you not. See, I'm one of these people who want to know how you got successful. How'd you do it? Now you now it's up to you to shine that light on to me and give me your knowledge of how you did it. If, if you're a real straight up dude, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed mm -hmm. to give, I'm supposed to leave, you know, put my hand down and help you and try to pull you up and show you what I've done. Now I can't do it for you. You're gonna have to put the same time and effort and the energy that I put into it, but this mm -hmm. is how I did it. You know, and mm -hmm. I think as professional athletes, as you know, entertainers, as teachers, as you know, anybody that that's succeeding in life, I think you have that responsibility. Mm. That's I, interesting. Let me ask I, you, Stacey. I, yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead, Chris. You got something? Well, I just say I hear that. Now that explains a lot when I hear you do uh, we broadcast basketball games. Now I know where that comes from, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, like look, I'm doing podcasts. I'll hush you though, hush you my young ain't gonna do that. That's my that's my puppy getting all upset. So you know, just like you guys doing doing podcasts, you know how hard it is to start a podcast. You know how hard it is to get it going. Uh, it takes a lot. There's a lot into this. You know, podcast is the way of the future. You know, if you're not doing it now, you're going to be late. You know what I'm saying? So right now, all of us are myself, you guys, you guys are setting the foundation of how you want your podcast to be. And the one thing about a podcast is it allows you to be you. It allows you to right. say what you want to say. It allows you to convey your messages the way you want to convey them. Uh, have fun with it. Uh, you know, interact with other people. Uh, give your opinion, regardless if anyone wants to hear it or not. You still have an opinion. You know what I'm saying? And you have a forum now. And 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 you know so. But you guys know how hard it is to get to get started. And I tell people all the time, like I ask, you know, I get on, I jump on people's podcasts, you know, not because I like to hear myself talk. It's because I know how hard it is to get guests. I know how hard it is to 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 get get your podcast going. So I jump on podcasts to help out, you know, to to yeah. to you know to to help a help another person out. Like I would expect them to help me out if I needed that help. You know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. that's one of the things I do. Um, I'm a people person. You know, I think that's why people gravitate to me because, you know, I'm not, I don't go around here high side and I don't think I'm better than everybody else. Um, you know, I, I, I treat you the way you treat me. So if you treat me with respect, you better damn sure I'm gonna give you respect. But if you come at me the wrong way, we are gonna have a problem. <laughs> like I tell all the time, say, like love is given, but like is earned. You feel me? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I, you, I mean, and and, I, and and listen, I don't go around portraying I'm some badass. You know, I I, right. I don't I don't do that. You know, I don't look for no I don't look for drama. I try to stay away from all that. Uh, but my knuckle game pretty good though. I ain't gonna lie. Talk to him. Talk to him. <laughs> hey, talk to him. Yo, yo, that's an interesting. That's a good segue in the, uh, talking about getting into your pro career. Actually, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, that knuckle game. Oh, uh, but you get you get drafted by the Bulls. Uh, you come to Chicago. Uh, I'm interested in this because we had Will Purdue on this show and he talked about, uh, I asked him about what was his first interaction with Mike like, and he would always talk about how Mike would mess with you until you gave him that respect. And he just talked about that in his first interaction with that. 
what was your first interaction with Mike and that moment that you knew Mike, you had your respect or you got that respect from Mike? Well, you know, my first interaction with Mike is when he opened up his first Jumpman store in Charlotte, North Carolina. He brought like uh, all the top players down, the top five or six players that were going to be in the draft. We came in, signed autographs and, and helped him ju- uh, open up a Jumpman 23. And I thought he was cool. Like I was like, man, and, and this is this is before I, I think I was even drafted. Um, and so before I even knew I was coming to Chicago. And so I just thought he was cool. You know, I, I, I used to have Jordan posters in my, in my room. You know, I would, I would literally, when I would go to a game, cause I'm very superstitious. So if I do something once and I have a great game, I'm going to do that for the rest yeah, of the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I used to, I used to rub a poster of Michael Jordan. It was one where he like, you know, he had the gold chains in the dunk contest and he was kind of, <laughs> he was kind of, you know it. what I'm saying? And he had it, and it, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And I so, know it well. so yeah, so <laughs> I used to, I used to, hey, Dave, I used to rub the, I used to rub the poster to give me good luck, and I go out there and drop thirty-five or forty. <laughs> so I always, I would always attribute it in my college level, like if I, if I, I even traveled with the poster, like we go on a road trip, what? that poster's uh-huh. coming with me. So uh-huh. I'd hang it up in my hotel room, boom, boom, I touch it, and I always attribute that MJ would give me luck every time I rub the poster. So, 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 uh, funny story. I get drafted there. This is, you know, I, after this is when I did the, before I did the Jumpman thing. And I thought MJ was cool. I said, oh man, this is a cool dude. I can't wait to go. I get drafted. I'm going to go play with MJ. He cool. Boom, boom, boom. And then my friend's like, well, yo, you ain't got to touch the poster no more because you're going to have MJ there. You can touch right. him. Right. And I said, right. damn. I said, damn. I didn't even think of that. You're right. <laughs> so, right. so I'm, I'm a kid, man. I'm 21. I'm all excited. Boom, boom. I'm in the city. You know, I'm, I'm like, I mean, I'm just having a good, a good time, bro. It was like, you know, I'm in a big city. I finally made it to Chicago because I didn't tell you on the college story. I left that out. You know, I left it out because I, I was supposed to be in Chicago with DePaul. We started early in that conversation. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I didn't come to DePaul and I changed my my mind, my mom, that was a, a weekend that I was supposed to come up the weekend. Benji Wilson got killed. Oh, Which, wow. yeah, I, I, I was coming up on that wow. weekend for my visit. And when Benji Wilson got killed, it was national news, national news. Wow. And so when I came home from school, I was supposed to get ready. My mom and dad was going to take me to the airport. And I was coming up to Chicago at that time. And then my mom said, nope, canceling that trip. Y'all, you're not going to Chicago. They're yeah. killing kids. Wow. They just, they, they just, Yo. they just shot, they just shot the uh, basketball player. And I said, who? You know, I'm thinking it was a college kid. And then right. it was like, you know, Benji Wilson, you know, number one high school player in the country, shot dead in high school today, boom, 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 details at, you know, seven. And I had played against Benji, uh, Benji in uh, AAU ball. So I knew him and I knew him personally. So he was another reason why I was thinking about DePaul because I think a lot of people felt like he was going to go to uh, U of I, you know, Illinois. Right. Mm-hmm. But um, I had the inside scoop that that he was coming to, to DePaul mm-hmm. too. Wow. So if I would have paired up with him, with Rod Strickland, they had Rod Strickland, Stanley Brundy, David Booth. I mean, Matt, I mean David oh. Booth. I mean, I mean, I mean, and Dallas Comedies would have been, mm-hmm. would still been there, would have been a junior or senior. I mean, they had a squad. Marty Embry was a senior. They would have mm-hmm. had, had Kenny Patterson was still there, Kenny I think, Patterson, uh, yeah. a senior. So they would have, we would have had a squad, dude. I mean, that yeah. would have been, that could have been a national championship team if all those pieces would have, would have messed up. Wow. And then I think, and then I also think there would have been a chance that we'd have gotten, you know, Nick Anderson. You know, coming because yeah, they're they, yeah, because those Chicago he was, kids he was real tight. Yeah, they, they, they was yeah. real exactly. So there might have been a chance that instead of U of I getting those guys, 
you know, DePaul would have got those guys. So see how see how one thing alters one history. Man, wow, branches of reality, man. Yeah, and, 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 and then you know, it's and when you think about it, it's like, wow, man. I mean, imagine if all that would have happened. And there's been days yeah. I thought about that, you know, because so that was when I was first supposed to come to Chicago. My mom refused right. to let me go because Ben Ben got killed. Mm-hmm. So you know, that's where that ended at. So when I got to Chicago, you know, I remember uh, Craig Sager asking me at the draft, you know when he's interviewing me, because I was supposed to go number one, and mm-hmm. I ended up going six. I know I wasn't going to go anywhere between two and five, mm-hmm. and so when I came up here on the workout, this is a funny story. Uh, I don't know if you guys heard this story, but when I came up with my workout, um, you know, first, you know, lottery picks ain't supposed to work out. We're not supposed to work out, yeah, no. so we're just supposed to do an interview process. You ask us questions, you know, what are you going to do if we come here, blah, 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 so the uh, Doug Collins was a coach then. It wasn't mm-hmm. Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson right. was, was an assistant. I didn't right. know Phil Jackson from Adam. So they wanted me to work out. I did all my testing with Alvin Mill and Eric Helen. I did all my, um, you know, fast, you know, all my quick twitch muscles and all. They tested all that. I, I tested out as one of the fastest, you know, guys in the, in the draft. Mm-hmm. So they were enamored with like my speed and quickness, you know, and, and along with my ability to jump and all that stuff. So they bring me out in the court and says, hey, we want to do some court work. My agent was David Falk, which is Michael Jordan's uh-huh. agent. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. he told me, no matter what, don't work out. He said, because it can hurt your draft stock if you don't participate well, you don't play well, or if you get hurt, we don't want to do any of that. So I was listening to him until they challenged me. <laughs> and, the, and, and so so, so the late, great Johnny Bach, the, the defensive guru of all those championship Bulls teams, the first three, he tells me, he says, uh, he goes, uh, we're going to work you out. We're going to put you through some defense. We're going to see your offense. We're going to see you run the court. I said, well, I can't work out. My agent told me not to work out. He said, what? Are you kidding me? And he started, you know, if you know anything about Johnny Box, Johnny Box starts cursing. And he, he hit me with the line. Uh, you know, he said, where are you from? He hit me with the Lou Gossett uh, officer and the gentleman side. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, remember that line? They ain't nothing but Oklahoma queers. Spears. He hit me with that. He hit me with that. And that was before I'd even seen Officer and Gentleman. I didn't know right. what it was. And so he hit me with that line. And I, I took it personal. I took that personal. Oh, yeah, as yeah, MJ yeah. Said. And I took that personal. So I, yeah. so I took it personal. So I said, I ain't got no shoes. I ain't got, I got no gear. He said, don't worry. We got you. What size shoe you wear? Da, da, da. So they give me some gear to work out. So I'm working out. I'm running the court. I'm doing all these things. So then they had me do some post moves. They want to see me in the post. So I'm, I'm doing some uh, generic post moves with no defense. So uh, they said, okay, we're going to bring some resistance in. You know, we'll put up a body against you. You want to see you go up against somebody your size or whatever. And I'm like, well, I don't think that's a good idea because I don't want to get hurt. Oh, no. And once again, Oklahoma, where is the city? Where are you from? Oh, come on, man. You know, and they were, they were calling me the P word. He was calling me the P word, oh, calling me everything. Oh, so I was getting up, I was getting upset about it. It's like I was taking, I took it personal. So, so they bring in this guy, and I'd seen Dave Corzine from WGN, and you got to mm-hmm. remember, Harvey Grant was my teammate at Oklahoma. Right, right, so right. we used to watch, and with Harvey, with Horace being here, I kind of mm-hmm. had an inside of the Bulls a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. I knew a little bit of in, inner dwellings. And so I thought this was Dave Corzine because he had the old gray bushy hair and he had mm-hmm. the, the beard. And he was a big dude. So and I, and I was thinking, damn, Dave Corzine looked bigger on TV, like size wise, like, you know, seven feet, like 280 pounds. So. Right. Uh, and then I'm like, well, I don't know, maybe the TV put five pounds on him. I don't know. So 
So we go. So so Doug said, all right, let's let's do some post moves. Stacey, I want you to I'm gonna throw the ball inside to you. I want you to take two dribbles to the middle and then quick spin baseline and finish at the rim. So I'm like, all right, cool, basic move. So Phil's in there, which I didn't know was Phil. I thought it was Doug Collins. I mean, I mm-hmm. thought it was uh, Dave Corzine. Mm-hmm. So, so he's banging me. Bam, bam. He's hitting me in the back. Boom, boom. And so I, I stopped. I said, I said, hey, man, like, yo, Dave Corzine, chill. Like, what are you doing, bro? <laughs> like, what, what are you doing? Like, this ain't supposed to be physical like this. So he told me, shut up and play. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so. So I, I took that as disrespectful. So I yeah. took it personal again. Personally, yeah. So I said, I said, I said, Dave, I said, Dave Corzine, man, chill, bro. Really, like this ain't supposed to be like this. <laughs> Shut up and play. And I said, all right, cool. So I, I make the move, boom, boom. As I go up to, to dunk the ball, he pushes me in the air and knocks mm-hmm. me on the ground. So I get up and I say, you know, you know, you know, you know, what the are you doing? And he's like, Shut up and play. What you, Shut up and play. Call me the P-word. And so I'm like, I jump up. I'm in the battle stance. Like, I'm ready to throw hands. Like, that was unnecessary. That was an unnecessary foul. And then Jerry Krause was like, oh, you know, we, we play the Pistons. You got to get used to that hard foul. Blah, blah. I said, man, we ain't playing the Pistons right now. I'm, I'm, I ain't been drafted. I'm not even been drafted yet. Like, I can get hurt. And then Johnny Bach, where are the steers? Now, you know, which one are you? So then I'm like, oh, man, this dude, I'm, I'm oh, man. This little old man, boy, he don't know. He got to get it. So... So Doug is over there laughing now. Doug's laughing. And, and then, so they said, do it again. Let's run that same move. So now I, I said, okay, cool. I'm going to get this mug. I'm going to get this mug. So they do, I do the same move. Two, two dribbles to the middle. Quick spin baseline. But this time, when I spun baseline, I gave Phil a little chin music with the elbow. So I spun high and popped him in the face. Bow. And then I dunked the ball. Boom. Because he mm. fell, like, right up under the net. So then I dunked the ball, and I wrapped my legs around him. And then I pushed him down. And so he got up trying to swing on me. So I get up trying to swing at him. And then, they, you know, the uh, string coach grabbed me and jacked me up. Told, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. So they separated us. I'm trying to get him. He's trying to get me. Jerry's like, stop, quit. Uh, he's like, you can't do this. Uh, you know, everybody's panicking now. Because now y'all done, y'all done at least something. Okay. Right. Y'all, wasn't, y'all wasn't expecting that. <laughs> so Doug is Doug's over there cracking up, laughing, thinking it's funny. You know, he's having a good old time with it. So they said, Stacy, go to the showers, you know, go, go calm down, you know, go take a shower, follow the string coach, blah, blah, blah. So we walk it out and Eric Keller, who was like 25 at the time, just a little bit older than me. He's like, hey, man, he's like, boy, you got a temper. He's like, man, you don't mess around. I'm like, no, nah, man, I don't play that shit. Like somebody hit me, I'm in the back. I don't care. Right. I'll get ejected. I don't care. He's like, man, we need that on this team because, we you know, we're seeing this with the Pistons. We need more guys like you. And so I said, I don't care about no Pistons, bro. Like, I don't care if that was the Atlanta Hawks or the Indiana Pacers. If somebody do that to me, I'm, I'm, we're going to be fighting. Right. So then, so then he said, you know who you, hey, hush, hush. He goes, you know who that, you know who that you got into it with? And I said, yeah, Dave Corzine, punk ass. And he was like, no, oh, he starts laughing. I said, man, why are you laughing? Like, everybody was laughing because every time I said Dave Corzine, everybody was laughing. And he said, no, that's not. He said, you ever heard of Phil Jackson? I said, who? Phil Jackson. I said, I said, I never heard no Phil Jackson. He said he played on the Knicks. He won a championship, you know, whatever year it was, they won a championship. Yeah. And I was like, so is he player? He play on the team? He's like, no, he's an assistant coach. He's a, he's a top assistant. I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh they're not drafting me. They're not drafting me. They're going to send me on the first plane smoking. So, 
So I go in there and I, I feel, you know, you know, you hit it with the little hourglasses, you know, you turn it over, the sand yeah, go out yeah. and uh, it take all day for the sand. Mine just went off. When I turned it over, it just went in. It just dropped. Like a, <laughs> it dropped. It dropped like a 64 Impala. It just yeah. dropped. Like we hit the switches, it just dropped. So yeah. I go in the shower and then it's like, hey, you know, Jerry wants to see you. Boom, boom. So I come back into the, this is when they practice at the multiplex, uh, the health club. So I go into the, this little room, the office, and he was, you know, he was sitting down waiting for me. And he was like, hey, we can't have that. You know, you know, you'll get ejected, hurt your team, yada, yada. So I told him, I said, Mr. Krause, I'm sorry. I said, but I'm not going to let nobody pump me. I, I'm not doing that. Like, if you hit me, I'm going to hit you back. You slap me, I'm going to hit you harder. Mm-hmm. And then Doug's like, that's the kind of shit we need. That's what I'm talking about. He goes, Stacey, if, you, if you're at six, we're drafting you. That's what he said. And I was uh-huh. just like, I, and I was just thought, he was, I said, well, there's no way I'm going to go six. And the way Jerry was talking to me, there's no way he's going to draft me. You know, because Doug is the coach. <laughs> and Jerry's the, Jerry's the ultimate one that makes the decision. Right. I, they ain't drafting me because I'm not saying the things they want me to say. Right. You know, so um, so then Phil comes back in. Now I know who Phil is. And they, you know, let me know. And so Phil came in the door. And, you know, he, he looked like he still had some static. Like he was like, and I was sitting in a chair. So where I'm from. If somebody, you don't let nobody get to jump on you if you got some beef with them. You know what I'm saying? Right. We had we had words or we threw hands. So I'm like, I'm I'm in a roll, I'm in one of them little rolling chairs. So I'm like, man, this is a bad position to be in. Because if he if he start he start raining bombs on me, babe, I can't go nowhere. I'm right. be sliding on the chair, taking <laughs> taking punches. So I kind of I got up quick. I got up quick. It was like. And then uh, Jerry's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I was like, hey, I'm just, hey, just make sure it's over. And I said, no. Are we, are we good? Are we good? Yeah, we're good. Everything's good. Hey, I'm sorry about that. Da, da, da. And then so he, he apologized, and, uh, you know, it was all good after that.